According to the New York Times, a former newspaper, a three and a half year investigation by 17 reporters combing through thousands of documents obtained by some of the most anonymous sources in the country has revealed that President Donald Trump has cooties. The bombshell report is expected to be a turning point in the Trump presidency when the walls start closing in on the beginning of the end. In a 50,000-word story published under the headline, Neener, 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 Trump is a Wiener, the Times reports that Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court has proven beyond a doubt that Trump likes girls, many of whom are known cooties carriers. And he was reportedly seen with Barrett sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. It's not known whether Trump's cooties were contracted during this incident or whether it was just a natural outgrowth of the fact that Trump's mother wore army boots and bought him mega blocks instead of Legos. Times editor-in-chief Blithering Prevarication III said that he delivered a copy of the cootie story to Trump personally by driving by the White House, hurling the copy onto the Rose Garden lawn, then hanging his bare buttocks out the car window while editor Dean Baquet made rude noises by putting his hand in his armpit and pumping his arm up and down. Mr. Third says the Cooties bombshell is only the first in a series of journalistic exposés that will prove that Trump is a doo-doo head and a giant walking booger whose face looks like a butt. In a speech to Miss Brown's third grade class at PS 192, Mr. Third told the students that Trump also throws like a girl. Trump responded to the attacks by claiming the Times was fake news. Mr. Third responded by saying, quote, I know you are, but what am I? Whereupon the two men rolled around on the grass and punched one another until they were sent to the principal's office. Election 2020 continues. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right. We are back literally laughing our way through the literal fall of the republic. Uh, if you want to get my openings with all the uh, racist and sexist jokes left in, subscribe to my YouTube channel, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel specifically. Press the bell so you get notifications of new content and leave a comment because you can improve this show if your comment is just this much uh, above moronic. We have one today from Patrick. He says it's a pity Wiley Coyote is remembered for never catching the Roadrunner and not for his ultra-realistic paintings of tunnels. That may be the wittiest comment we've had so far. I think that wins a prize, and I'll be sure to steal it later on. Uh, so I'm driving home from our debate coverage last night, and I was listening to Fox News on the radio, and I heard Sean Hannity giving late-night analysis. Here's a, a taste, cut to. The extremely weak, the frail, the confused, kind of angry Joe Biden just got steamrolled by President Trump. Joe flat out refused to answer simple, basic, fundamental questions, unable to respond to the president's beatdowns. And he appeared flustered, irritated and, uh, well, cranky. Joe, maybe he's past his bedtime, probably stayed up too late, needs his nap. <laughs> now. Please do not think that I'm knocking Sean. There are more facts on his hour-long show than you'll find on CNN all day. And he's here to pump for Trump, just like NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and all the rest are here to unfairly and dishonestly attack Trump. Sean has an important role to play. But it's not my role. 
I think Trump has done a good to great job as president. I think the Democrat slash Marxist party is a threat to America. I will, as the saying now goes, crawl across broken glass to vote for the president, which here in Los Angeles I may literally have to do. But I thought the debate last night was an embarrassment at every level for every person on the stage. Biden behaved despicably. He lied almost every time he opened his mouth. Chris Wallace was an insult. His questions were slanted and verbose, and he interrupted Trump every time Trump made a good point. It was shameful. If anyone out and out lost the debate, it was Wallace. But Trump was also bad. Interrupting Biden every time he opened his mouth was not just bad strategy, it was a rotten way to behave. I didn't turn on the TV to watch sluggo mug grandpa. I wanted to hear two candidates for the presidency make their case in tough, clever, quotable, gotcha moments that are a staple of politics in the video age. I know it's not Trump who degraded our politics. It's the left. I know it's not Trump who degraded our language. It's the left. Conservatives aren't the ones who threw away good manners and honest debate. It's all on the left. Trump is a creation of leftist culture, and he's just turning what he learned back on the people who made it what it is. But I'm not going to cheer for the results. As I speak, I can hear my friend Sebastian Gorka say something in my ear like, the future of the free world is at stake. Are you going to whine about Trump's language? And the answer is yes, I am. Politics is language. Politics is debate. If it's not language and debate, it's violence and revolution. Language and debate are better. The left is going to do everything it can to stop the next debates from happening, but they shouldn't. We need these two guys to meet again and do better, and we need the press to do better. We literally cannot go on like this and remain free for very long. I'm just telling you. RockAuto.com. It's that time. It's that time. I love these ads because I get to say RockAuto.com. Women faint. They swoon. Even women who don't know how to swoon, swoon when you say RockAuto.com because it just sounds great, but it also will get you car parts right in your computer without having to drive your broken car down to the imaginary uh, car parts store and ask a guy to look in his computer when you could just be at home looking at yours. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very, very easy to uh, navigate. Great parts, lots of parts, reliably low prices. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? And also write Clavin in your how do you spell Clavin box. And also say Clavin in the same way. Clavin, yeah, it's K-L-A, K-L-A-V-A-N. So you're going to hear a lot of coverage saying Biden won the debates. And there were ways in which he won. He didn't wet himself. He didn't fall over. So that was good for him. And even if he tied, Trump seems to be behind in the polls. And if we can believe in the polls that didn't help. But he couldn't have won that big because the press, you remember Roberto Duran, the boxer who got in the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard and said, no mas, he gave up. He said, no mas, no mas. Well, that's what the press is saying. No mas is cut one. Very simple question. After what went down this evening, do you think Joe Biden should participate in a second or third debate? Should the next two debates go on as scheduled? I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if this is the last presidential debate. Should there be other debates? Are we really going to repeat this? Are we going to have another two of, of these? I think we have to hear from the presidential commission on debates tomorrow. We, 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 we can't do two more of these. <laughs> so they didn't like what they saw. And the thing about this is, 
is there's the real debate, which I'm going to be talking about in a minute. I'm going to talk about what really happened. Then there's the reported debate, which, as you can guess, is a complete lie. It's just the press has ganged up to sell a complete lie. I said last night they were going to do it. You got tomorrow's news. If you were listening to our backstage, you got tomorrow's news today, which is now today's news today, when I said they're just going to take one comment that he made and take it completely out of context and also lie about what he actually said, which I'll, I'll show you in just a second. But there is the debate that people heard, right? There's the debate of, of substance and what was actually being said, which I think Trump won by a, lot, a landslide. But there's also what people heard, which was just Trump interrupting continually, punching at Biden and punching him around. And I thought it was bad strategy twice. One, because it made him look like a bully. You know, I mean, he is a bully and that that can be fine, but it just made him look, you know, kind of bad. But it also didn't let Biden get tired. It didn't let Biden talk. And when he talks, it's when he talks that Biden does really poorly. So by not letting him talk, uh, he, you know, Trump, I thought, made a strategic error. There's some people saying, well, this, his strategy was to get Biden to denounce the left. And he did that. And so maybe he estranged the left. Maybe, maybe he's playing three-dimensional chess. But I just think you have to take into account what people saw. And what people saw was just chaos. It was absolute chaos. And that hurts Trump if he's behind in the polls. And we'll see in the next couple of days as his ratings go down or up with the ratings of whether he's people view him favorably or not. Right now, they're between 45 and 48, I think. Uh, so we'll see if they go down and up and then we'll find out. But let's talk about what really happened, because that really does matter, too. The big anti-Trump moment was when Wallace, who sucked, he really did suck, asked for absolutely no reason whether Trump would condemn white supremacists who have had virtually no role in the violence convulsing the country. They've had none. The Proud Boys, which will be mentioned, they had a meeting in Portland, like 10 guys showed up. So they have no role in the riots, the mostly peaceful riots that have torn this country apart. But for some reason, every 20 minutes, Trump has to denounce white supremacy. So here's the exchange. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White Proud supremacists Boys. and right Proud, Proud Boys. Boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing. All right. So he asks him, "Are you willing to condemn white supremacists?" And he says, "Sure, I'm willing to do that." which sounds to me like he's, he's doing it. And they say, well, go ahead and do it then. I mean, what's he have to do? He's done it repeatedly throughout his administration. He has repeatedly condemned these people. And then he says, well, who do you want me? Who? Who are we, who are we talking about? And Biden says the Proud Boys. Now, I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys. I think that they are, they're very far right and even have some kind of uh, some fascist tendencies. They do go out there and kind of look for trouble. I'm not a fan of them. Ann Coulter says they've protected her at various times. So good for them on that. And she does get attacked because the leftists are violent, vicious people who would attack a woman. So that's that's fine. But they're not white supremacists. 
They are an all-male group who welcome people of all color. They say so themselves. They welcome, so they're not white supremacists. And he says, echoing um, echoing Wallace's language, and Wallace sucked, by the way. Did I mention that? He, he utterly sucked. Me- echoing Wallace's language, will you say say to them to stand down? He says, I tell them to stand back and stand by. So it sounded, it's that was a, that was a, a misstep. That was a misstep. But what does he have to do? Now, so he does denounce them, though. He says, sure, I'm willing to do that. And here's the, here's the report. Trump refuses to denounce white supremacy, the Hill. Trump refuses to denounce white supremacy, New York Times. Trump declines to denounce white supremacy, NPR. Joe Biden tweets, there's no other way to put it. The president of the United States refused to disavow white supremacists on the debate stage last night. And then he has a picture, by the way, among other people of Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, the guy who shot people in Kenosha, and his lawyer is planning to demand a retraction because Rittenhouse also not a white supremacist. So they lied. And that's what, but, but but that is what everyone heard. Everyone heard Trump not saying, I denounce white supremacists, though he's done it again and again and again. And they're going to run with this. And this is one of the reasons Trump, we need Trump in the White House, because there is an empire of lies based on this racist stuff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Biden asked to condemn Antifa, who are the real rioters and black, nobody mentioned Black Lives Matter. Everybody's afraid to touch Black Lives Matter, but I'll touch them. They're the rioters. Black Lives Matter and Antifa are the rioters. Here's what Biden says. Cut 23. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. <laughs> not militia. That's what oh, his really? FBI, his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, gonna, then you know what? No, no, no we're, done, we're done, sir. We're moving on to the next. We're moving on to the next. That's not an idea. Everybody Antifa in your administration tells you the truth is a bad, is a bad idea. Can I tell you what? You have no idea. Antifa, Antifa is a dangerous, radical group. All right, gentlemen, group. we're now moving on to the Trump and, and Biden records. They'll overthrow you. When a president, I'm going to ask a question. Now, first of all, Antifa is an idea, an idea that happens to be running around in masks, burning cities and covering them in graffiti and terrifying people and terrorizing people at their dinners. Antifa and Black Lives Matter. So that's the kind of idea they are. They're an idea that happens to be uh, have avatars and in that manifest themselves as human beings uh, who terrorize and destroy cities. Secondly, as Trump, and he did this again and again, as Trump went after Biden completely fairly, and as he had him on the ropes, Wallace, who sucked, by the way, Wallace interrupted him, and he did it again and again. And that's shameful, and it's one of the reasons that Trump does the things he does. It's one of the reasons that it takes a guy like Trump to actually get anywhere with these people, because as Trump himself said, he's not just debating the Democrats. He's also debating Chris Wallace, who, by the way, sucked. So now remember, we're talking about reality now. And again, I said that people didn't hear the reality. They don't hear the reality. They heard the chaos. They heard the constant app uh, interruptions. And again, it's not just rude to do that. It's bad strategy. It is bad strategy not to let the guy talk because the guy can't talk. You know, you want to let him talk. And it also makes people feel that you're just, uh, over, you know, you're just running over him with a steamroller. And yeah, you and I might like seeing that. But as, as Ben pointed out on the backstage last night, this was a really good point. It's, she, he's not Hillary. People hate Hillary. Running over Hillary with a steamroller is kind of fun. You can back up again, you know, you can turn around, you can make designs on her and people are like, hey, that was good. Not so Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a reputation for being a clown, an empty headed guy, uh, a nice guy, but he's a nice guy. And so people don't hate him the same way. He's not very nice. And the stuff, some of the stuff he said uh, last night was genuinely grotesque. It was cut 34. Will you shut up, man? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. He's racist. 
So, so he calls the president of the United States a racist, calls him a clown. Shut up, he says to him. You know, no one covered himself in glory. Uh, uh, on substance, Trump was better. because You know why Trump was better on substance? Because on substance, Trump is better. Trump has good, been a good president. When they were talking about the Chinese flu, Biden keeps saying, Biden blamed Trump for the economy, said that he himself would keep the economy shut down. So the economy isn't bad because of Trump's bad policies. It's bad because it was shut down. Every word out of Biden's mouth when he talks about what he would do is is basically uh, the same as what Trump has done. He has no new ideas. He keeps acting as if Trump personally killed 200,000 people. And again, we don't even know what that number is. The real number, the real question is how many how many hours of life were lost? Because in America, it is simply true, and this is not true in other countries. In America, people who have died in motorcycle accidents and been shot, who had who uh, were tested positive for the virus were claimed to have died of the virus. So we don't even know the numbers. But what on earth would Biden have done that was going to stop this disease, which has acted differently in every country? And it doesn't matter what happened, what people done have done. It has acted erratically and differently in every country. So all of this. And he lied. Biden lied. They asked him if he supported the New Deal, the Green New Deal. It was cut 22. The Green New Deal will pay for itself as we move forward. We're not going to build plants that, in fact, are great polluting plants. So do you We're support build the Green New Deal? Pardon me? Do you support? No, I don't support the Green oh, New Deal. Oh, you don't? Oh, well, well that's a big not, statement. I support that means the, you just the radical left. I, su I support oh, the don't. Biden plan that I put forward. Okay. Here's Biden's website. Biden believes the Green New Deal is a crucial component, a crucial framework for meeting the climate challenges we face. It powerfully captures two basic truths, which, which are at the core of his plan. Number one, the United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale to meet the scope of this challenge. And two, our environment and our economy are completely and totally connected. So he lied. He lied about whether he supports the Green New Deal, and he lied in the same statement. In the same, you know, he said the Green New Deal will pay for itself, which, by the way, is complete nonsense. And then he said, no, I don't support the Green New Deal. So that, that was part of Trump's strategy, was definitely to get him to say that the, the idea, I think, that Trump had going in, the idea that he was working on going in, was that Biden is where he is, this empty houseplant of a man who's just barely sentient is the candidate because the left does not want to show its own face. The, remember, Biden was not, he was losing. Biden was counted out. He was gone until black said, no, we do not want the radicals. We want this guy, this moderate looking guy, because we remember him and he was Obama's pal and all of that counts to the good. So Trump knows that he has got to at least play a moderate on TV. He also knows that if he plays a moderate, the left won't show up to vote for him. So that was what he was trying to do. And again, substance and appearance. This is the difference, right? The su you know, on substance, the strategy was good. Playing it out. I'm sorry. You know, I, if, if you want to listen to the kind of stuff that's on Fox, and again, I'm not against their doing that. That's their job. But then you should listen to Fox. But I have to tell you, I think this was enormously offensive to people who are not already on Trump's side. And so hopefully he just uses the strategy, but does it a little bit better. You know, if you want to give somebody a really nice gift, an actual meaningful gift, you should try paintyourlife.com. I tried it. It works really well. You get a professional hand-painted portrait 
created from any photo at an affordable price. So you get a painting from your photos and it doesn't cost you a fortune. And you can paint your pet, you can paint your family, you can paint your... I, I had myself painted because I just wanted to see what it, how it would come out. And I think my wife is using it as a dartboard, but it came out really, really well. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. They stay in touch with you so you can talk to them about it. It makes a perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you get 20% off your painting, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Andrew to 64,000. That's Andrew to 64,000. Text Andrew to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. So let's go on a little bit more and look at Biden, because obviously this is given the press has seized the opportunity, as we knew they did. I was joking about it later. They could have written their reviews of the debate the day before it happened. They probably did write them like an obituary. You know, you, they have obituaries on file. So when people die, they just put them in the newspaper. They could have had their reviews of the debate on file because you knew they were going to declare uh, Biden the winner. And they did. And they knew they were going to declare Trump evil. But I just want to take a look at what Trump, uh, what Biden actually did. He was asked, for instance, if he would pack the Supreme Court after he was elected. This is a really important point. You know, in the mailbag, there's a question that I'll talk about packing the court and where this idea comes from a little bit historically. But that's a question. This guy is running for president of the United States, right? You ask him, will you pack the Supreme Court? Here's his response. Cut 18. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court. Whatever position I take on that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Let, vote now. You pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. What kind of answer is it? The guy's right. <laughs> President of the United States. And he says, I'm not going to answer that question because then that would become the issue. Why, why should that not be the issue? I mean, what if they said to you, are you going to raise taxes? I mean, he says he's going to raise taxes by trillions of job killing dollars. But but why? What if he said, you know, I'm not going to answer whether I'm going to raise taxes because then that becomes the issue. You know what? I, I don't even understand how that is a, a an acceptable answer to any question of a presidential candidate. Trump has asked if he's going to condemn white supremacists, which he's done a million times in his during his administration. And he he kind of bobbles the answer, but he does say, yes, sure, sure. I, of course I will. <laughs> and, and that's a problem. But Biden has asked a question of substance and he says, oh, that would be an issue. Why, why should we have issues in a presidential campaign? We don't want issues because then we'd have to discuss the issues. I, I don't know. He, he said he said at one point that he wasn't opposed to Amy Coney Barrett. He is, obviously. And then in what I thought was possibly his most shameful moment. And this is important because I think this race thing, I, I think this race thing on the left is a pathology. I think it is an illness. I think it's an illness to continually harp on the races of people. And this one really got me. He denounced America as a racist country. The guy running for president of the United States thinks America is a racist country. This is cut uh, 21. Do you believe that there is a separate but unequal system of justice for blacks in this country? Yes, there is. There's, there's systemic injustice in this country, in education, in work, and in, in, in law enforcement, and the, and the way in which it's enforced. No, that's everywhere. 
So everywhere, there's racism everywhere. And, that, you know, this is, the, this is the thing that the left is selling. And I don't know, you know, I look around, that's not what I see. I don't see systemic, I see human racism. I see that a lot, you know, but I don't see systemic racism anywhere. Rather the opposite. I see uh, a nation that has worked very hard to make up for past uh, injustices and has worked very hard to basically make it open a chance for everybody. The people who have stopped that from working are the people who have loaded down uh, black people with programs and uh, affirmative action that have put them in, ba- in bad positions. When you pay people to uh, have children out of wedlock, they have more children out of wedlock. And it's not black people. That's all people. When you pay the people to have children out of wedlock, they have more children out of wedlock. When you tell p- people that they can be accepted to the highest university in the land, even though they didn't get the grades needed, you put them in a position to fail. It is left-wing policies. It is left-wing policies that have taken a certain portion of the American black population and kept them low, even though the road is open before them. The road is open before them, and that's what Joe Biden is saying. So so then you get this from, did I mention that Wallace sucked? I mean, Wallace actually should be uh, fired. I mean, I hate to say that about anybody, really, but like Wallace really has bobbled the ball as badly as I can remember because, you know, he he is he works for Fox News. I know he has Trump derangement sy- syndrome, but at least he's the one guy who should have thought, you know, I'm just going to show up and do this fair. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm not going to be nice to Trump. I'm not going to be nice to Biden. I'm going to show the other moderators how this is done. And instead, he sucked. And he asked this question, which I just thought was appalling. Uh, this is cut 26. What is oh, it's totally about racial, racial sensitivity training? Sir. If you were a certain person, you had no status in life. It was sort of a reversal. And if you look at the people, we were paying people hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach very bad ideas and frankly, very sick ideas. And and really, they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. See, he says, he says, why did you threat withdraw funding for racial sensitivity training? Now, we know we had Chris Rufo on the show talking about this. Chris Rufo has done a great job exposing this, that this is not racial sensitivity training. And it's unfortunate. You know, this is something Trump needs to learn to do. Trump needs to learn to, to call out the technique of naming things. You know, when you call something Antifa, it's anti-fascist. And the, and the press, you know, come on, they go on, they say, how could they be bad? They're anti-fascist. You know, that's the way the press reacts. This is Black Lives Matter. People actually ask, reporters actually ask people, do you believe Black Lives Matter? I mean, there's only one answer to that, and I can't say it on the air. It's just two words long. You know, what, what does it even mean? But Black Lives Matter is a Marxist terrorist organization, Antifa, Marxist terrorist organization, and racial sensitivity training. You know, here's Chris Rufo. He's writing in the New York Post, uh, and he's been really studying this. He says, according to a trove of whistleblower documents, I've reviewed the training, this racial sensitivity training begins with the premise that virtually all white people contribute to racism. That's quote unquote, and hold narratives that, quote, don't support the dismantling of racist institutions. Therefore, the trainers argue white federal employees must, quote, struggle to own their racism and invest in race based growth, unquote. That doesn't sound like racial sensitivity training, you know. It's like racial sensitivity training, as you say, you know, like Chinese people don't like it when you do their accent funny. That, that might be racial sensitivity training, but not this. The trainers, I'm going to read so, a little bit more. The trainers then ask white managers to create safe spaces where black employees can explain what it means to be black and to be seen in their pain. 
white staffers are instructed to keep silent and to sit, this is a quote, and to sit in the discomfort of their racism. If any conflicts arise, the trainers insist that whites, quote, don't get to decide when someone is being too emotional, too rash, or too mean. Whites are told they can't protest if a person of color responds to their oppression in a way that they don't like. Now, again, Trump is not articulate enough to answer these questions sometimes. And when he was asked about, uh, while, well, Wallace, Wallace who, who sucked, I don't know if I mentioned that, Wallace uh, sucked, he asked this question, cut 27. Vice President Biden, you say that President Trump's response to the violence in Charlottesville three years ago, when he talked about very fine people on both sides, was what directly led you to launch this run for president. Oh, yeah, sure. But it's absolutely untrue. Trump said, I'm not talking about the white supremacists. They should be condemned. Absolutely. He should not have to answer that question again and again. That's why Wallace, I don't, I may have not forgot to mention, he he just sucked. He was awful, awful. Let me just play one last clip that was not from the debate. It was the coverage afterwards because it illustrates everything, everything that is happening in the country and everything that went wrong with that debate. This is CBS after their, their coverage interviewing Donald Trump Jr. Cut four. We see in Ohio now that Joe Biden closing in on a state that your father won handling. Was that part of the nervousness that you think happened with the president tonight? Is that why he kept interrupting Joe Biden and also trying to steamroll the moderator? No, I think it's because Donald Trump is a fighter. He's been fighting for the American people. He's taken heat and hits. I mean, I know personally, right? I mean, you know well that I did 30 hours of testimony for doing a fraction of what, let's say, Hunter Biden did. Now there's an actual link to Russia. There's an actual link to Vladimir Putin to the tune of $3.5 million to the Biden family. And I think when so my father Don, looks at what... Talking say, about no, that. Why not me, talk about the policies well, for the American people? People are hurting because, because of because, coronavirus, because their kids because are not in school. Because we have to talk about... Why not talk about the plan for that? No, but I mean, how to help people? No, we do, do because why why would it happen to one side, but it's totally ignored by the other? So I think you have to put that into perspective. Donald Trump, you talk about racism tonight. That was a big topic. Donald Trump did prison reform. Donald Trump created opportunity zones. Donald Trump did the first step back. Why didn't Joe Biden do it? Why are you talking about the fact that Biden's family is a crime family steeped in corruption and was steeped in corruption while he was the vice president of the United States when you should be talking about helping people, says Nora? It is a perfect illustration of one, the press being as dishonest and corrupt as any institution in the country. But two, Donald Trump Jr. answered articulately and clearly and specifically. And Trump, he really needs to learn to do that. So again, Substance and appearance. The substance was great. Trump won on the substance. On appearance, not so much. And we're going to see whether I'm right and we're going to see whether that it tells in the days to come and whether they back out of other debates, which I think would be a massive strategic mistake. If you liked our debate coverage last night, you should join Daily Wire now as an insider all-access member and get 20% off with code DEBATE. So you can watch all of our upcoming debate coverage live at dailywire.com on the Apple TV or the Roku app. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all our live broadcasts and the show library. You get all three hours of the Ben Shapiro show. And if you get the very top tier, we don't give you the Noel show at all. I'm joking. So watch the next debate with us and get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. Enough debate. The mailbag is on its way. Mailbag. Clay Vance, what is your profession? What was that? Uh, I miss Lindsay. 
<laughs> Never mind. From, from Stephen. I've heard you mention a couple of times lately that Roe v. Wade and decisions such as same-sex marriage shouldn't be federal, but should be state's decision. What specifically makes you say that? More broadly, what criteria of any court decision law fits that description in your mind? He says, and also quickly, I want to give a shout out to my wife for surprising me last week with a membership to The Daily Wire as an early Christmas gift. I've been watching you guys at The Daily Wire uh, on YouTube for over a year, and she has recently become interested in politics in part because of The Daily Wire. Now we can enjoy even more great content together. Personally, Andrew, I very much appreciate your approach, humor, faith, and insight, and all you do keep it up. Thank you very much. I thought I should read that. Why do I say that Roe v. Wade and uh, same-sex marriage should not be decided by the Supreme Court and should not be essentially settled by the federal government for all the states? The Constitution has what are called enumerated powers for the federal government. It enumerates the powers that the federal government should have, right? It says you have these powers. And in the Tenth Amendment, which is the last amendment, I believe, of the Bill of Rights, right? It says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, respectively or to the people. So in other words, if it's in the Constitution, it says that this is what the federal government does, then the federal government can do it. If it's not, then it should be done by the states. You know, most people don't know this, but murder, for instance, is when you commit a murder, you're breaking state law. There's some murders that are covered by federal law. Like I think if you kill a witness in a trial, that's covered by federal law. But most murders are state laws. That was why, That's why, for instance, in the bad old days when somebody in the South would kill a black person and the jury was filled with white guys who wouldn't convict a white man of, of killing a black person, the feds would charge him with violating the guy's civil rights, right? That's how they would get around that because they didn't have a law against murder. They had a law against violating civil rights. That's something the federal government can prosecute you for. So most laws are run by the states. The states are supposed to run themselves. That's why when you hear all these experts saying, oh, Donald Trump didn't come up with a nationwide approach to the flu, Donald Trump was right. The states should run themselves. That is how we keep free, by keeping our government close. The closer the government is to you, the more power it should have. The further it is from you, the less power it should have. Now, we were talking before about packing the courts. Packing the courts became an issue during Franklin Roosevelt's term because Franklin Roosevelt wanted to put in all these leftist things on the states. He wanted to impose them on the states. He wanted to have minimum wage. He wanted to control the way workers were treated by federal law. And the Supreme Court kept saying, no, you can't do that. You don't have the power to do that. So FDR said, well, what I'm going to do, if you guys keep knocking down my attempts to overreach, if you're going to knock down my attempts to have federal government have more power, I'm going to pack the Supreme Court with because it's nothing in the Constitution that says it has to be nine justices, right? So he's going to give it more justices whom he would appoint, and then he would pack the Supreme Court with leftists. That's what he was going to do. So one of the judges, the justices on the Supreme Court, finally started to allow him, changed his vote, because it was a 5-4 vote, changed his vote to allow FDR to start imposing things against unconstitutionally on the states. And they called it the switch in time that saved nine, right? It kept the nine justices there. The, the Supreme Court has been doing that ever since. When they talk about Roe v. Wade, the way Roe v. Wade came about is they said, well, there's no right to privacy in the Constitution, but there's a penumbra, a shadow that comes from the emanation 
from the Bill of Rights. They literally said this. The light from the Bill of Rights casts a shadow of, of, of the right to privacy. And originally it was supposed to be a zone of privacy, but that somehow transformed into a right to privacy. Now, this is nonsense. That emanation only creates that penumbra when the penumbra is shaped like abortion. It doesn't uh, you know, do the same thing when, for instance, you want to protect your privacy by telling the IRS, I don't want to tell you how much I earn. It's none of your business. That's my right to privacy. Suddenly your privacy is gone, right? It's only when you have, want to have an abortion. And how abortion is a private act when you're you know, killing another person, I don't know. But still, they keep, so they, they wanted there to be a right to abortion, so they imposed it. But what that really does is they're not giving you a right. They're taking away your right to make your laws in your state. That's what they're doing. When they say that there's some positive right, like a right for gay people to be married, I don't care whether gay people are married. Ever since marriage became a no-fault institution, it's not an institution at all. It's not marriage anyway. So I don't care whether gay people get married or not. I believe the definition of marriage is a man and a woman. But, you know, I want gay people to be happy. And if we're going to have marriages where I can walk out with no fault, that's not a marriage anyway. So what difference does it make? But, but it's not, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government the right to pass laws about marriage. And there's nothing in the Constitution that gives you a right to be married. It is a state law. So they're seizing power. You think that they're giving you a right. Oh, hooray, we've got the right to be for gay, for gay people to be married. But what they're doing is they're taking away your right to govern yourself. And that was what Scalia said in his dissent. If You, sh- you should read Scalia's dissent uh, in Oberfeld because it really explains this well. What he said was, I don't care if gay people, uh, this is not a quote, this is me uh, paraphrasing, He said, I don't care if gay people get married. The state can make any law about marriage that it wants. He said, I do care who governs me, and it shouldn't be five lawyers on the Supreme Court. So that's why I'm against these laws. I'm willing to debate the issues. And on some issues, I agree, and some issues, I disagree. I'd be happy, like I said, I don't care who gets married. It means nothing to me, as Scalia said. But but I do care about abortion, and I want to have that debate. But I don't want to have the right... what good is it to have the debate if they take my power to legislate for myself, to elect my legislators who will legislate for me in my state? What good is it to have that law if they take those rights away? They're not giving you rights. They're taking away your right to self-governance. From Rachel, I, I hope that was uh, a clear answer. From Rachel, uh, I've recently relocated to the UK for a year and I'm enjoying touring around and seeing all the historical things in person after reading about them for so long. The highlight so far has been Blenheim Castle. That is beautiful. Uh, What would you recommend doing while here? Where are your favorite places to spend time, well-known or off the beaten track? Uh, Thank you in advance. I really appreciate everything you do and look forward to your daily wisdom. Uh, Thank you. well, I loved, you know, I love museums and I loved going to the uh, the gallery, the National Gallery. I loved uh, going to the theater. Um, but uh, and I really enjoyed it. I, I think I, I, once or twice I got invited to parties, uh, black tie parties at Parliament. That was a lot of fun. Um, but but places that are off the beaten track, uh, if you're a poetry fan and you've read Wordsworth's spectacular poem uh, about Tintern Abbey, you want to go visit Tintern Abbey. It's really beautiful. Glastonbury Tour is a great hike if you're a hiker. My favorite thing in England was the hiking. It was the walking because they give you these rights of way through people's farmland. So there's a little narrow path that you can take and you can walk really from, you know, Penzance to Land's End. You can walk right up the the country. And what I really recommend you're doing is getting a hiking book and visiting historical sites that are off the beaten path. So, for instance, you'll find uh, old forts where, you know, uh, 
that are buried, but you can see the shape of the old fort uh, back from like Anglo-Saxon times. And you can find mazes that were there and you can find ruined abbeys all over, graveyards, old churches, beautiful old churches. And so hiking books will take you to places uh, that you don't necessarily see in London uh, where all the big sites are. So uh, it's, it, that was something I love to do. You should also make a, a special trip to Edinburgh. It's a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, and people don't go to it enough because it's so, so far north. Um, from Anonymous, uh, a female Anonymous, I believe. I recently entered into a relationship with a man whose company I truly enjoy. He's kind, easy to talk to, spontaneous, yet stable, always up for a new experience. I have zero attraction to him, uh, however. We're not entered into a sexual relationship, but I can't even imagine sex with him. Should I stick with this relationship and see where it goes physically, or should I get out before he gets too attached and I hurt him? Is it possible to have a relationship with someone you really don't want to have sex with? A side note, he's 13 years older than I am. I'm 37. Uh, and while that's not a deal breaker for me, it's something I have to bring into consideration as I move forward. Any guidance is appreciated. Well, you know, I, if you are talking about a romantic relationship, and I would suspect that that's what he's looking for uh, if he's hanging out with you, uh, you know, yeah, sex is important. Sex is an important part of a relationship. And if you are entering into a relationship where there's not going to be sex, both people have to know it at the outset because he's going to feel burned later on when he finds out that that's not on your mind. What I would say about this is bear with it for a while, because a lot of times uh, I've had this happen to me and I, I know it happens in general. A lot of times as you get to like somebody or even love somebody, they become attractive. Uh, that is just true. And so um, and so you might hang out for a while, but I would not hang out forever without letting him know in some way this problem. You know, I mean, I, because you are going to hurt him eventually, and you're not going to want to be in a long-term uh, romantic relationship that is sexless. It's, it's going to be a genuine problem going forward uh, for, for both of you, I think, uh, but but especially, but certainly for him, and certainly he should know about it and have some kind of say in what's going on. So I would give it some time to see if your affection for him transforms this situation. But after a while, yeah, I think you have to either bring it up or, or get out. Um, from Albert, hello, Grand Poobah Clavin, destroyer of ease and champion of the noble land of Rock Auto. I was wondering about your life experience in writing novels. Do you push yourself to write a certain amount of text and has your productivity changed as your life has gone by? I know this is more than one question, uh, but I know you give a 100% guarantee. Um, <laughs> he says, I heard you went back in time to remove the letter E from your name. Would love some clarity on the paradox. All right, so you wanna know about uh, my writing uh, habits. Uh, very early on in a long piece that I'm writing, uh, it becomes clear to me how much I'm going to be able to cover in a day. And then I set that as a goal. So for instance, I wrote <clears throat> two relatively short uh, books this year, one of them a novella uh, that will be published next Christmas, uh, and one of them a nonfiction book. And the nonfiction book was much more complex, much more difficult. And so I, know, I knew I could only write, say, a thousand words a day. But the novel was flowing. I knew I was going to get 1,500 words a day. So that's what I went for. If for some reason I couldn't make that number, I don't hang myself over it. Uh, I just let it go. But I'm that's the number I'm trying for. And if I reach that and I'm hot, I keep going. You know, so it's not a it's not a um, ironclad rule, but it's a nice it's nice to know. Yeah, I've covered enough territory for the day. It gives me a sense of when it's going to end, and I know how fast it's going. I, I get that flow. And my I, I think over time uh, I have probably become a little bit smoother, but I'm still a very slow, very careful writer, you know, and I still go over everything like a million times. Um, 
from Elizabeth. My husband and I have been married for 33 years. In that time, I helped him to build three businesses while also raising our four boys. We've always had joint savings and checking accounts, as you should. Three years ago, he separated the money in our account, taking a large amount out in a CD and dividing the rest 60-40 with him getting the 60%. The amount he left me was in our joint account, which he expected to use to pay our household expenses. This obviously caused a serious rift. He promised to fix it and said he regretted it, but still hasn't done it. In addition, he only now puts half his pay in this account, keeping the rest in a separate one that he won't show me. What should I do? Well, this is a serious problem. And I don't know. There may be stuff about this. I don't know. You may only be telling one side of it, but this is a serious problem that has to be addressed. And so you got to sit him down and say, we have to address this problem. I will not live like this. This It's, it's wrong. Because unless, unless there's something you're doing that he's trying to stop and he doesn't want to admit it, like you're overspending or something like this. Uh, but still, this is a serious, serious problem. And if he can't uh, address it, you got to get into some kind of mediation or therapy where you address it. You cannot uh, let this go because it's really important. And married people should put their money together. It's I, I think that's really important. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm running short of time. In fact, I think I'm running out of time. So I'm going to have to stop there. Unfortunately, I always like doing the mailbag. But you know, if you become an All Access subscriber, you can also get All Access where you can ask me questions as well. The mailbag will be back next Wednesday. So you should subscribe then and then you can be in the mailbag yourself. It's stuffy, but all your problems are solved. So it's a good deal. I will stop there, but I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. President Trump debates Joe Biden and Chris Wallace. The Atlantic makes up another anti-Trump story. And even conservatives get criminal justice wrong. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.